Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Bouncing Back, the personal resilience science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I am your host, Joanna. Let's get started. Hi guys, I'm your host Joanna and welcome back to Bouncing Back, our personal resilience podcast. So on today's topic, we're going to talk about the idea of acceptance and how we can let go and move forward from some of those difficult situations in our life. Our guest today is Julia Nichols. She is an experienced clinical psychologist with expertise in acceptance and commitment therapy. She's not only a practitioner, but also an author, researcher and trainer in this effective therapeutic approach, which also makes her the perfect expert to chat about today. Um, So hi, Julia. How are you today? Hi, Joanna. Well, thank you. Um, It's great to have you in the studio. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I'd love to hand it over to you to introduce yourself with a bit about who you are and what it is you do. Yep. Fantastic. So as you mentioned, I'm a clinical psychologist. I've been working for over 10 years in primarily the public mental health sector here in Victoria. And I also work a bit in private practice doing supervision of other mental health clinicians and also running, delivering some training as well. I have a special interest, as you said, in acceptance and commitment therapy, but I also like a lot of other therapeutic modalities as well. And I have a particular interest also in working with people experiencing psychosis. Amazing. And what got your interest in this specific sort of field? In acceptance and commitment therapy? I think it was seeing the benefit with working with clients really in my early career. Mm. I did some training with Russ Harris, who often runs training in acceptance and commitment therapy yeah. here in Victoria. And it was the start of my career and I started using it with clients uh, experiencing psychosis in particular and found that they were really it was relating to people and it was quite effective as well. And that's led me to become more and more interested over time and get involved in research and and writing about it as well. Yeah, that sounds really great. Um, I want to talk about this beautiful quote on your website. You can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. I love that. Could you tell us a bit about why you chose it? Yes, I love that quote by John Kabat-Zinn. So it's really around we can't stop all the things that happen in our lives. We can't control them even yeah. as best we might think we can. There's always going to be difficulty, always going to be adversity. Uh, so it's really around learning how do we come up against that and what do we do in the here and now to mm. deal with that as best as we can in our lives. And I guess that's the learning to surf part. Yeah, amazing. Well, I hope we'll get to um, chat a bit more about those ideas with our topic today. But before we do that, I'd love to get to know you a bit more with some questions we've got lined up. So this is our Have You Met Julia section. So we're just going to um, say like a few topics and you can just say the first thing that comes to mind. So the first one is books. So Books, what comes to mind is that I have a lot of trouble getting any books finished these days, having <laughs> yeah. young children. Yeah. But the most recent book that I read cover to cover was Educated by Tara Westover. Okay. And it was a memoir about her life. And I guess I, I love reading memoirs and hearing, often it's about how people have uh, experienced difficulties and how they overcame them. And yeah. she was a very resilient woman uh, having had quite a lot of uh, personal difficulties in her upbringing, but then, and, and had no education until quite late in her childhood and has since become very academic and, and done a PhD and written about it. So I, I highly recommend it. And I, I think on the topic of today's podcast as well, I'd need to mention the Russ Harris's book called The Happiness Trap, which is a fantastic self-help book on, on all about how to accept things in your life and do things that are important to you. Yeah, amazing. And are you normally into more nonfiction books? Definitely nonfiction and yeah. I should branch out, but <laughs> I, I read a lot about people's people's stories, life stories. I love yeah. to read about that. Amazing. And I think this could lead into our next one. So podcasts. Do you like listen to podcasts? Are you more into like nonfictional ones? Definitely. I, yeah. I, I listen to true crime a bit <gasps> and yes. yes. Yeah, love that. <laughs> and one of the ones that, that kind of 
I think a lot of people have listened to that that sticks in my mind is the first series of Serial, okay, uh, This yeah. American Life. Just mm. it, it sort of shows the the power of podcasts and what they can do because for those who don't know, I suppose, it was about a a man who was convicted of killing his uh, his uh, girlfriend, high school girlfriend, and he got 20 years in prison for that. And it was it's all about the, the case and a review of the case and the work that was actually done in the podcast led to a, a retrial for uh, this person as well. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Is that your favourite podcast, you would say? I would say that I don't listen to enough to, to yeah. have lots of other podcasts. <laughs> to have like a favourite, yeah. But I do like to listen to bits and pieces yeah. here and there different podcasts. Yeah, for sure. I'm a massive true crime fan. I used to listen to it all the time. Um, have you heard of the podcast Red Handed? I just heard about that this week. I have oh, not listened to it. Highly recommend. Yes. It's so good. It's these two um, like women from you, the from the UK, I believe, um, and they have like this really funny sort of bubbly take on sort of just um, exploring all these different cases that have happened all around the world. Um, it, it's so good. Highly mm-hmm. recommend. Okay, on the yeah. listen list. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, awesome. So my next one is movies. I'd have to go with the one that I most recently saw. I haven't seen a movie in the theatre in years and mm. I went and saw Barbie. Oh, yeah. What did you think of it? Thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, for someone who grew up with Barbie and playing with Barbie and I thought they really well, they did a really good job of capturing some of the things that I think are positive about Barbie and some of the things that are a little bit negative about Barbie, perhaps yeah. about you know how young women might idealise something that's maybe not so possible in terms of the appearance but also how the way Barbie can inspire, you know, young women yeah. to to be anything that they want to be because there's Barbie, you know, Dr. Barbie and President Barbie and all these different Barbies and I think they did a really good job of capturing that and having humour and amazing uh, visual scenery as part of the movie. Yeah, 100%. I feel like I grew up watching Barbie as well, massive Barbie fan. It was so weird to try and visualise what Barbie would look like as like a real live action sort mm. of movie. Um, so it was so amazing to see like everything come to life. So Mm-mm. it was really cool. Yeah, fantastic. And my next one for you is a famous role model or it could just be anyone in your life that's inspirational to you. I think role models are good for certain characteristics that they might have because Mm. role models are often not perfect and no one's perfect and the one I'm going to mention is definitely not perfect. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I often admire people for certain characteristics and traits that they might have. So, for the person that comes to mind for me is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. And I'll go into why yeah, that is. Uh, because do. definitely he's he's not perfect and I'm yeah. you know in, in his personal life he certainly admitted you know some of some of the faults that he has, but I read his autobiography many years ago called Total Recall. Mm. And he is so persistent, very persistent. He for people who don't know much about him, he received so many no's in trying to become a, an actor. Yeah. He you know he he went, he kept, he, he really wanted to be an actor. He went, you know, from bodybuilding to acting. He went to so many auditions, met so many producers, directors, and they just kept telling him, you'll never, ever make it in Hollywood. Your, your name, no one can pronounce it. You're too big and your accent just absolutely not. And he's one of the biggest earning, you know, one of the most famous, yeah. uh, you know, actors that there there is out there. So I just love that persistence that he showed in, you know, accepting that no is no for now, but that's not, not going to dictate the rest of my life. And he kept on persisting. So that's something that I admire about him. I love that. I've actually never heard someone like approach a role model in that way, like picking out like characteristics like that. I think that's a really great way to go about it because I feel like for me I'll be like I've got this one role model and they encapsulate everything but I feel like picking out like the positive characteristics from like multiple people that you find inspirational is a really great way to go about it as well. Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about acceptance and the role that it plays in building resilience. So I'd first love to start off by asking you um, what resilience means to you. So what resilience means to me is it means being able to encounter adversities in life that we're all going to face. We're all going to face stress, loss, personal traumas, tragedies, and being able to spring back in our own pace, in our own way, to being able to function in our life and do what's important to us and meaningful us for us in the here and now. Mm. So that's what resilience means to me. Yeah. And it's definitely not about being immune to those stresses and adversities. 
I don't know anyone who's immune, Joanna, do you? No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. I think there can be people that appear to be, um, and I think we've all probably come across those people in our lives mm. or even, you know, through through seeing people in social media. I think we can sometimes think that people are encountering adversity better than they might be, but actually when you get down to it, we all experience stresses, we all experience difficulties and adversity and we will need to find our own ways of being able to move through that process it and accept that it's not snapping our fingers it's a it's a process and we'll all find our own ways of doing that yeah and I feel like it could be you know that external perception like you look at someone from the outside looking in it might seem like their life is perfect and they aren't affected by anything but of course you don't know what's actually going on behind the scenes absolutely we we definitely don't and I think People, you know, you, you might even reflect on that in your own life when there's somebody who you might see and you think they're doing really well, yeah. but actually you find out later on that they were really struggling with something personal, but you you couldn't tell at that time because it's really hard for people to be vulnerable. Yeah, 100%. Or sometimes someone might look at you and be like, wow, how are you doing so well? You look like nothing, nothing's going wrong for you. And But in your head, you're like, there is so much going wrong. I'm just not showing you that. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. And moving on to the acceptance part of our topic today, could you define what acceptance means? Yes. So acceptance is really about acknowledging reality as it is in this very moment. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean you like it, you condone it, you give the ticket of approval, but you actually just accept what is in this very moment. Okay. So acceptance doesn't mean like approving of something, even if you like don't agree with it. No, so we definitely don't need to approve it. And it's a really common misconception that people think that they need to actually approve of something to accept it because there's things in our lives or personal histories that we may never or we we may never and maybe, you know, should never Mm. condone. Yeah, uh, that that might have happened, Uh, you know, personal trauma, for example, or something that's, you know, really difficult and we, we're, we're never going to condone that, but we might decide that it's important for us to accept it mm. so we don't actually spend a whole bunch of time increasing our distress by trying to not accept it. Yeah, for sure. And do you think there's a similarity between acceptance and f- like forgiveness, for example? I think forgiveness can be part of acceptance. Uh, It's not necessarily always required, but, you know, sometimes forgiveness is about forgiving ourselves for something, a mistake that we've made, you know, where we're at in our life, the difficult, you know, experiences that we might have come across, we might need to forgive ourselves, Mm -hmm. or it might be about forgiving somebody else in our lives for something that they have done to us or a way that we've been hurt. So that can be part of acceptance and we might decide that we want to let go of that grudge that we're holding against others or ourselves to be able to accept and move forward. Yeah. And that's such a hard process and such a hard thing to do. I don't know about like you, but I'm a bit of a stubborn person. I feel like acceptance doesn't come easy and nor does like forgiveness. And I'm sure a lot of people agree with that. So what are some situations in which people might need to, you know, use acceptance? um, Yeah. In like real life. Many, many different places that we might need to use acceptance. So you know, it could be as easy, you know, as simple as something that we come across every day, like, you know, the public transport isn't working and we're going to be late to a meeting and we're really frustrated. It yep. could be accepting that, you know, a relationship that is important in our lives is coming to an end, that a marriage, that a partnership is coming yeah. to an end. It could be accepting a really common one that I come across is is a lot of self-acceptance. So accepting where we're at in our life that, yeah. you know, perhaps we haven't got the job that we wanted or we haven't got you know finances or we haven't got the relationship that we wanted yeah or it could be accepting a you know a a historical or a recent distressing event that's happened and needing to accept that that has occurred so there's there's so many different different things that we might need to use acceptance skills around yeah for sure and what are some important skills to be able to bring into this idea of acceptance and sort of being able to use acceptance Mm. There's a lot of skills that I could that I could cover. I suppose one of the things I want to want to highlight is that I'll you know I'm, I'm I'll talk about some skills here today. But if anyone is really struggling with acceptance and they're finding that they're struggling so much with something that it's actually 
you know, disrupting their their day-to-day activity, their capacity mm. to, you know, do the things that they need to do in their lives, that it would probably be important to talk to a mental health professional about it in a bit more detail because it can be quite challenging. As yeah. you, you've already highlighted, it's a really challenging process and yep. depending on what it is, people might need a bit of extra support to, to navigate that. But I think... There's lots of different different strategies, and I might talk about a couple of key ones. But yeah. you know, one one thing is we, we need to become really aware that we're when we're in a non-accepting state. So I want to define probably what that is. But yeah. you know, non-acceptance is really the opposite of acceptance, isn't it? It's denying reality is as mm. it is, and when we're denying reality is it is as it is, we're often spending time. Thinking about how it should be different, mm. should be different. What if this happened? Why? This is unfair. You know, the sort of self-talk that we might have when we're when we're not accepting mm. and going over and over and over these events again. Yeah. So that's one, you know, one potential response. Or another response could be that we're actively avoiding reality. So we might be, you know, spending all our time watching TV. We might be using substances. We might be, you know, engaging in, you know, a workaholic type of lifestyle to try and avoid really engaging with the emotions or the thoughts around what actually is reality. So mm. we need mindfulness skills and we need, by that I mean is just noticing skills. So just noticing what our mind is doing, what our body is doing. Am I actually rejecting reality? Am I am I avoiding? Am I overthinking this, just playing it over and over again in my head? Yeah. And mindfulness skills can really help us to tap into that at the first port of call. So noticing what is happening noticing my mind, noticing my body, noticing how I'm feeling, am I actually in a state of rejecting reality as it is? Yeah. So that's that's kind of one of the key important tools, I think. Um, another one is, you know, working out that we want to accept, mm-hmm. I think, that that we actually think that this is a good, a good tool because some people say, "Why? Why would I accept these? You know, these difficult things in my life. I don't. Why? Like, I don't. I don't want to condone them." As we said, you know, they think I've got to condone it. It's actually because if we stay in a state of non-acceptance, we're actually spending a lot of time distressed. Yeah. So we're actually spending a lot of time not accepting reality, focusing on what could have been, which can't be because it's not reality or or avoiding avoiding things as they are. So we might even want to go, you know, and sit down with a pen and paper and do you know, reasons for and reasons against, like re- why would I want to? So reasons for acceptance and reasons against acceptance mm-hmm. and, and try and build up a bit of a an idea in our mind as to what the rationale is. And I think the, the main rationale is, is I want to free up time and energy mm-hmm. so I can actually now focus on the here and now and actually do what I need to do today so I can build what I want in the future. Yeah. So that that really, that acceptance process can actually free us up quite a lot. Yeah, for sure. And what if someone's caught between like two different stages, like they want to accept something, but they're in that sort of non-acceptance phase of being like, why did this happen to me? Like, what if it like went this way? Like, could have it gone this way? How can they move from that to like acceptance, especially if they want to, but they just feel like they can't? One of the things I would say is don't rush yourself and don't force yourself. So one of the things we can do is try and rush ourselves and, and actually be a bit invalidating of ourselves. Like, why can't I just accept this? Yeah. Or, or someone even, I don't know if anyone's had one of those, you know, helpful friends or family members say, you know, why don't you just accept this? Or, you know, yeah. th- that's, well, if it was that easy, I would do I it. would have done yeah. it. And I would, you know, not need to be, you know, a psychologist. We, we yeah. need people need help through this process. So it's around probably slowing it down and actually accepting mm-hmm. that you're in a non-accepting state at the moment and this takes time. You might need to validate your emotions, that you're feeling angry, that you're feeling sad, that you're feeling disappointed about your situation, that that reality is as it is right now and you might need to actually sit a bit more in that and grieve and and be in that moment before getting to the next stage of moving forward. And once we reach a state of feeling accepting about something, that doesn't mean that we don't flip back into non-acceptance sometimes. You know, you might see something or hear something or, you know, smell something or something might happen and you notice that your mind's becoming a bit, you know, bothered again, a bit bit non-accepting of something and we need to constantly turn the mind back towards these are the reasons why I want to. I want to be more accepting. I want to embody this stance a bit more. And and I suppose that would be the advice I give to people is just validate yourself. This is actually a really hard thing and maybe I'm on that 
I'm on that journey towards accepting this issue, but I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. And can people get stuck in like the non-acceptance sort of denial phase? Like it's been a long period of time being in that phase. Can they just stay there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So people can get stuck there for years and years or as long as it as long as it takes for them to, you know, work through or decide that they want mm-hmm. to start accepting something. And it can be, yeah, I've certainly seen people that have been so angry. Anger is something that really, really shows up and, mm. and things are unfair and that's absolutely true. Things in their life might have been absolutely really unfair and, yep. and anger is really understandable. But then it, it can it can really impact your life if you're sitting in a state of anger because it's really hard to change something when you're so preoccupied by those experiences. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that can that can help is to sort of think about, I, I think, your, your values and what's important to you in your life and where do I want to be in three months, five years, ten years, Yeah. you know, at my, you know, at, at one of the acceptance and commitment therapy skills that I quite like or, you know, ex- experiential uh, one of the experiences that you can have is thinking about your your 80th birthday and thinking into or something in the future. I mean, if you're already 80, maybe something something sooner. Yeah. But, you know, thinking about something in the future and somebody that's really important to you giving a speech about your life and what would you like them to say about you at that speech? Mm. How did you overcome this adversity? How did you treat other people? How did you live your life? Yeah. And, and what would you like that time to be spent on now to to get to that spot. Yeah, I actually love that. I feel like that's such a beautiful way to reflect as well. Yeah. And what are some other challenges that people might come across when they're trying to, you know, find acceptance, move past, you know, past experiences and things like that? I think the main ones are the you know, the the avoidance, you know, so trying to actively avoid, so whether or not that's you know, getting really stuck in life. So repeating the same things over and over again, potentially, you know, doing things that are harmful for them. So, you know, using substances to avoid the situation or or being stuck in really, really strong emotions for long periods of time, like anger, or trying to, you know, force themselves to rush through the acceptance process when they're actually not quite, quite ready yet. Yeah. There's quite an array of things that can show up for people. I think it's, it's something that is really understandably quite a big challenge for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. And do you think that people experience sort of acceptance in different ways? Like they go about accepting things in different ways? Absolutely. Yeah. And people find their own ways that are, mm. uh, yeah, very unique to them and they might be, you know, a part of their religion or spirituality or something that's been handed down in their own families and they should do that I think it's good to have a toolbox for whatever we you know whatever skill that we're using if it's if it's acceptance or if it's building mindfulness skills or if it's trying to be perseverance or whatever it might be having a toolbox that we can pull different things from because there's no one skill that's going to be the the golden spoon for for everybody. Yeah, for sure. And is it something where you can be like to someone, hey, I tried this in, you know, overcoming this. Did you want to try this as well? Is it something we should, you know, share with people and pass on or is it more an individualised experience? I think there's no harm in talking through with your, with your loved ones about what you found helpful. I think yeah. that's just a part of being a human and sharing what's helpful to you. And of course, what's helpful to you might be you know not not so helpful for somebody else but yeah um, it's up to people if they if they think something might be useful for them but again if they think that they need more help through a process like this then they can you know go and get that as well yeah and in terms of going and getting that help I feel like some people struggle to reach out for help and be like this situation like I'm struggling to find acceptance in this does this actually require me to go see like for example a psychologist how can they like you know, break down that fear and actually take that step forward? It's a good question. I think people have started doing it more. Uh, Mm. You know, it's started to become something that people are talking about more with their friends and perhaps with their GPs and then going and getting referrals. But I think, you know, it can be around 
perhaps not putting that pressure on yourself that, you know, going and seeing a professional, whether or not it's a psychologist or a counsellor or whoever it might be, that that means you have to see them for years and years and this is this, you know, this this thing that means you've got something wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's more around I think that it's really, really common in your entire lifetime to need to get some help from somebody that's, you know, outside of your friends or family for something. It's really, really common. And being able to just think about it, this is, you know, I'll go for one appointment and I'll see, you know, tell my story and see how they might be able to help me and sort of take it step by step rather than, you know, perhaps thinking too far down the line. Yeah. Uh, but And I think it can also be helpful to to maybe hear from friends or family who might have gone through the therapy experience what what they've found it was like and if it was helpful to them because, you know, we, we think about the numbers that one in five in any given year is going to have a, a diagnosable mental health condition and that's not just, you know, just experience of distress. Yeah. So it's, it's something that actually you might need to do at some point in your life. Yeah, for sure. And are there certain, like, emotions that might kind of hinder you know, the acceptance process? I think so. I think one of the key ones that we've spoken about is anger. Mm -hmm. And I think anger, anger can be really difficult. It's not, there's nothing wrong with that emotion, by the way. There's nothing yeah. wrong with any emotions. It, it, All emotions have their place, their purpose, their function. So anger is an emotion that is absolutely okay to feel. But when we stay stuck in it because we're going over the past and we're, thinking about things that have been, you know, feel, feeling personally wronged perhaps about things that we can't change, that's when it, you know, it continues and it really starts to cause us a lot of problems. Yeah. So it's the experience of it that can be really difficult because it's quite strong in the body. We notice it, you know, in the way that we're thinking but also the way that we feel and it can take a lot of energy from us. Mm -hmm. And anger also often is not necessarily the primary emotion, it's often the secondary emotion. So what I mean by that is the first emotion that we feel is often something different and the more that we think about, yeah. you know, what happened, we get we start to get angry about it. So yeah. sometimes it can be around, you know, let's say, for example, we had, you know, a difficult relationship with our parents and we, we, we aren't really happy with the upbringing that we have. We might get really angry about that but actually the, the first emotion that we need to validate and perhaps accept in ourselves is actually really profound sadness. Yeah. We're really sad about our childhood and our upbringing. But now over time, the more we've thought about it, we've become really angry about it. Yeah. So, um, so kind of, I think, being able to unpack that and work out these different emotions that are showing up and validating ourselves and making room for those and actually accepting the emotions is part of the process of accepting events. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like when we think about things like anger, it has like such a negative connotation around it. And I feel like if you heard someone was feeling anger about something, you'd think that they might have more of a serious like issue or like there's something wrong because they're feeling anger as opposed to something like sadness, which seems a lot softer. Mm -mm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think there's a lot of judgment on emotions and I think we're trained like that from from childhood that there's there's good and bad emotions I think you know it's been a long time since I was in school but I think that's changing a bit now I think they're learning about emotions a little bit differently that yeah. that emotions are emotions and they all have their their own function but certainly when I run groups uh, and talk about the function of emotions you know the adults that I work with I work with the adult population are genuinely you know quite interested in learning about what's the function of sadness what's the function of anger and that this emotion is just as valid as happiness or contentness or surprise, they're all valid, all required, you know, emotions for different functions and reasons. Yeah, for sure. And what are some of the other emotions other than, you know, sadness or anger that might come up when we're dealing with things to do with acceptance? I think it could really be any emotion. It could also be happiness. It could be, mm. you know, we, we also might need to accept things that bring up mixed emotions for us. Yeah. You know, so um, accepting the end of a relationship might bring up different thoughts and different emotions for us. It might be accepting that actually there were good parts about that relationship and that made me happy. Yeah. But actually this part made me really disappointed and really made me upset and sad um, and actually accepting the whole range of emotions that comes with a particular experience. Yeah. Things aren't necessarily just, well, you know, when we accept them, it might not just be that there's there's difficult parts of that experience. There might have also been 
more positive ones. Yeah. And when we do accept something, does it kind of just like fall back into like the recesses of our brain or is it still there? Like, is it still present or should we just completely let it go? I think it probably depends on what it is. I think if, if it's something really big, you know, a, a big thing that's happened in our lives, a big loss, a big tragedy, those things often are with us. Yeah. And I, I mentioned earlier that we sometimes need to reapproach acceptance even. You know, we might find that it's something's happened in our lives and we're actually finding ourselves slipping back into we're no longer accepting that that happened. Yeah. Something's happened and, and it's come it's come up again. But also when we connect with things that are important to us in our lives in the here and now, we we, we grow our lives around, you know, this, this event that happened. So this event still happened, it's still with me, but actually I'm more accepting of it now and now I'm doing the things that are important to me. But if it's something more minor that, you know, I said earlier, we were late to a meeting or, you know, the the train's delayed, we might be able to completely let it go and forget about it. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned before when it, if it comes back again. So how does someone deal with that? Like they've just accepted this thing and now it's happened to them again. How can they go through that process of acceptance? I think it, it it it's really around maybe bringing back out your toolbox and, and doing the things that you did before, yeah. you know, taking care of yourself, using the same skills, talking about it, and also potentially expecting that with big challenges that we face in our lives, they might come up again. And this, this process of acceptance isn't like, oh, yep, ticked that off my list. That's done. See you later. Now I'm going to move on with my life and, you know, walk off you know, happily forever, mm. it, it's, it might show up again in my life. You know, let's say, for example, I've used the example of relationship breakdowns because they come up a lot yeah. uh, that, you know, let's say that you you kind of move on in your life and you find a new partner and then five years down the track, you yeah. know, another relationship is ending and maybe for similar reasons, maybe not for similar reasons, you might find that that's showing up again, that difficulty, you know, this is showing up again. I'm finding this really hard to accept and it, and it's related to, you know, the, the previous relationship. So I think we have to accept that these things will show up again for us. But as long as we keep on working on our personal toolbox on how we, you know, we, we build up our acceptance skills and we should be able to navigate that. Yeah. And again, I guess bringing back that idea of validation just because it happens again doesn't mean that there's something wrong or like you deserved it or anything like that. It's just a part of life and a part of like the process. Yes. It's the the human condition is one that is going to encounter lots of adversity in life. Unfortunately, that's that's sort of how it is. And and yeah. when we, we kind of go, ah, oh, okay, this is actually a part of a part of life, that can be a helpful process as well that, that we all share in this. And, of course, we all have different experiences. Some people, you know, do have really difficult experiences yeah. and more than more than perhaps some other people do. Yeah. But we still all, all do encounter adversity in our life. Yeah, for sure. And we didn't exactly talk about this idea of letting go before. Would we be able to, like, backtrack a bit and, like, define what this idea of letting go is? Letting go, the way I would define it is being able to acknowledge and accept that things have happened in our lives that perhaps we're not happy with yeah. and being able to move forward with our lives by connecting with what's important to us. So we're letting it go for the sake of our present life and being yeah. able to build the life that we want in the future. Yeah, for sure. So that's sort of how I would define letting go. So it's not it's not eliminating or erasing what's happened. It's it's saying, okay, I'm going to let go of this because if I don't let go of it, I can't make use of the here and now. Yeah, for sure. And what if your acceptance and letting go process involves like another person that's still in your life? So, for example, it's not a relationship that's ended and they're gone now, but this, that person is still in your life. So do you mean that they're still there but they we, we had something we had to accept in relation to them? Yeah, yeah, like maybe a small falling out or something happened that caused tension or, you know, involved one person having to forgive the other for doing something. I think there's a lot of things that we have to accept where there's going to be reminders in our lives of, yeah. of whatever that thing might be. Mm. So, you know, even, for example, we're all going to experience grief and 
we might have photos of you know a person that we loved in our lives that's in our house and we're going to see those images yeah uh, and or we might be living with the person that we've had to forgive because mm. forgiveness is something that that often comes up in interpersonal relationships where yeah. we you know get angry or disappointed or frustrated or something happens mm-hmm. so i think we have to just learn to respond to those potential triggers in a way that is accessing the present as fully as we can so noticing oh there's my mind it's it's bringing up this past event i'm noticing that it's going back to you know this this issue that i had with this person or to this loss that i've had in my life and noticing that allowing our mind is going to do that it's completely normal and natural that our mind will do that yeah and then bringing it back into the here and now and what we can notice around us and we yeah. might need to do that often i think you know I, in my in my life, I've only lost people that have been uh, quite elderly. To you know, in, in, I'm not saying that's that's not hard. It was hard losing my grandparents, for example, who I was very close with. Yeah. Uh, but I think that we we often think of these you know of people in our lives when we see photos and we 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 go back and our mind is you know sad about that. But I think for some people, they might lose somebody in you know really tragic circumstances. And I've heard from those people that it's really natural for their mind to go back to that you know, often, perhaps even every day. Yeah. And we just need to validate ourselves and normalise that experience that just when we accept something doesn't mean we forget it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And through this process of, you know, acceptance, how does it relate and build on our resilience? I think it's definitely related to to resilience. And if we yeah. can be more accepting in our, of all the things that happen in our lives, we will be able to to spring back to to feeling like we're functioning well and thriving really in the face of adversity is what we would all love to be doing. Mm. Uh, so if we can build on our acceptance skills, it will help us because as we've sort of covered, there's a lot of different acceptance, things that we need to accept in every day. So from small things to bigger things, and if we're able to adopt more of an accepting stance over time, perhaps let things, you know, flow over us a bit more. Like, you know, often we talk about a Teflon pan in psychology and in, in mindfulness, letting things okay. flow in and out like a Teflon pan. Yeah. Of course, it's easier with some more minor, minor things in our lives, but more and harder with more difficult things, of course. But if we can adopt some skills that help us to become that more accepting person, then we're going to be able to spend more time doing what makes us thrive. Yeah, for sure. And what are some like mindfulness techniques, for example, that we could use to do this? So there's lots of different information on mindfulness. People may or may not be aware, you know, there's, there's, you know, apps that people can download, some lots of free ones and some paid ones as well. One of the ones I really like doing for mindfulness is connecting with my senses in the here and now. So it might be really just noticing what I can see around me. You know, what are the, what are three things I can see around me and really connecting with what's in my visual space. Some people like connecting with smell, for example, and I know people that, you know, carry around essential oils to try and connect with the present moment by by smell. There's touch, there's taste. For me, it's often visual because I find I don't have to grab anything out of my bag. I don't have to look for anything. I can just look around and notice some things yeah. in my environment. And that's a really quick and simple way to just become present and, and in the here and now. Yeah, for sure. And what are some of the long-term benefits to, you know, acceptance and moving on and letting go? The really long-term benefit is reducing your stress and your time spent on trying to change or avoid things that have happened. And we all don't have a lot of spare time. You know, time goes quickly and we want spare time so we can actually capitalise on doing the stuff that we want to do with that time. Yeah. We don't want to be, most of us don't want to be spending time avoiding or thinking yeah. about stuff that makes us feel stressed. So I guess a long-term benefit of, of being more accepting is that we'll have more time to spend on doing stuff that's important to us. Yeah. But also it reduces psychological distress as well. So if we can be more accepting, then we're less likely to experience a lot of distressing emotions like high levels of anxiety and sadness and anger that we've spoken about. Yeah. So it can actually reduce our vulnerability to to those sorts of psychological psychologically distressing events as well. Yeah, for sure. And my last question is um, surrounding gratitude. Does this idea of gratitude play a role in acceptance and moving forward? I think so. I think that gratitude is 
it, it can be something that we have more space for when we're in a more accepting space. Okay. So gratitude is, you know, being grateful for the things that are happening that are good in this, you know, this day, this moment, this year, whatever it might be for that person. It, it's not that I think some people feel like it's this overly positive view mm. that we're just being grateful for everything when there's actually really difficult things happening in the world. Yeah. But actually that's not the case. Mm. We're actually also being really accepting of, you know, we're just noticing what's what's positive in this moment uh, because our minds have this tendency, this natural tendency to go towards what is negative and what is difficult. So when we're being more accepting, I think we actually have more space to go, okay, I've got this time and energy to, to, to think either in the here and now, what am I grateful for? Yeah. Or maybe at the end of a day, you know, a lot of people, um, I know quite a few people who do journaling, you know, with the family, which is something that we do at night at dinner time is just what's one thing that you're grateful for that happened today. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, I think we can move on to our next section, which is our practices debrief. So I'm basically just going to ask you some questions about your everyday sort of application of some of these techniques. I know we talked about um, like engaging with your senses and doing that kind of grounding work. Is there another practice that you use to cultivate acceptance in your life? Yeah, so one of the practices that, that I quite like is quite a, a practical and simple one. It's the three A's of acceptance. Okay. So it, it covers a little bit of what we've already spoken about, but mm. the first A is about becoming aware that you are in a non-accepting state. So first of all, just noticing I am aware I am not accepting. So you might even use a self-statement there. I'm noticing that I'm not accepting what's happened. What's happened today or what's happened in my life, I'm not accepting it. Notice your body, how you feel, notice what your mind is saying, and then just become aware. So it's a, it's a mindfulness skill really. So awareness. Then the second A is accepting language. So we want to use some kind of validating, accepting language with ourselves. So when I say it's validating, it's validating to you. So some people being told, just get over it and accept it. That yeah. usually makes you feel worse. Yeah. So try and find something that's really simple that that sits with you. You might even have it in your phone, a little quote, something that's accepting to you. So it might be something like, this is really hard, but it is what it is. I can't change the past. I can only focus on today and hopefully change the future. Some people might be aware of the serenity prayer, which is used a lot in Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. So the serenity prayer, for example, is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And some people have that saved in their phone and they might look at that. So the accepting language with ourselves is really important. Yeah. And then the last A is act from the present. So just act from the here and now, act from connecting with your values, act from the moment, connect with your senses, so act in the here and now. Yeah. You might need to do that again and again and repeat, but it's something simple that you can do just in your day to to connect and accept in the moment. Yeah, I love that. Does that sort of process come from anything or is that something you've made up? No, it definitely comes from lots of, di- I, I won't claim it. I, I, I came up with the three A's for acceptance, but it's from lots of different therapeutic yeah. approaches. So I'd say it's a combination of acceptance and commitment therapy and cognitive behaviour therapy. So they are very related, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, thinking about being present, connecting with the here and now and using, you know, helpful language with yourself. Yeah, for sure. I was just jotting all of that down because I feel like that's <laughs> so useful and something I definitely want to use. Um, and when you use it, do you pick like a specific time of the day to sort of do this stuff or is it more just when you're going about your day? More when I'm going about with my day. But if you're if you're struggling in particular with acceptance, you know, you might actually have something written that's a reminder for yourself, whether it's on your fridge or whether or not it's on, in your phone or whether or not it's actual reminders to yeah. to to become more accepting because actually we have to remember that as people we're very, you know, programmed to keep doing the same things that we do yeah. every day. So yeah. to change what we do, to change our approach to something, if we've been not accepting things for a long time, we need to actually have these reminders and consistently practice and the more that we practice, the more something becomes natural to us. Yeah, for sure. And do you find that there are any challenges for when you're doing this practice in your everyday life? I think it's just if you've got something that is really you're not accepting of, that you can really stay 
you know, you, you can kind of forget, to, you know, to, to use it. So you can kind of just get really caught up in anger and frustration and then you might not remember to use the strategy. So if you've got something that you're struggling with more, you might need to set some more reminders and, and actively practice. Yeah, for sure. And how do you keep yourself accountable for doing this? Like, especially if you might be busy that day and your mind's all over the place and the last thing you want to do is pull up your phone and read your reminder. I think you just have to decide I think you have to decide, I want to do this and work out with yourself, how am I going to do it? Mm -hmm. But then if you have a bad day, also not being hard on yourself because we're all human and we're not all going to, you know, pick up a new strategy and become, you know, we we don't want to also become like, we've got to do this really perfectly. We've got to accept and we've got to get it right. Um, It's also around just practicing and trying new things and seeing how they gel with you. And it's kind of like, you know, going shopping. We, we try some strategies on, you know, they're helpful. If not, we, 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 you know, we don't continue with them. Yeah, for sure. And how has this practice, you know, helped build resilience in your life? I think even, you know, coming to do this podcast, I had acceptance yeah. in my mind more. It's, it's something that, you know, when, when it's in when it's in mind, it actually just helps you let go of things more quickly. Well, for me, that's what, what happens. So, you know, getting frustrated over little things, I sort of go, oh, you know, just I'm noticing what my mind is doing and just sort of being, having more time to feel you know, not stuck in sort of frustration and, you know, and that's that's particularly what I noticed for me. So sort yeah. of letting go of difficult emotions more easily. Yeah. Well, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing those with us. And I feel like the three A's are definitely something I'll be taking with me and definitely my highlight from that. So thank you. Um, I'd love to jump into our open mic section. So um, I'll hand it over to you to talk about anything that you would like to. I think I'll just talk about something that relates a little bit to what we've been talking yeah, about today. Sure. So I, you know, I'm quite passionate about working with people who have experienced psychosis or are experiencing psychosis. I've, I've worked a lot with people experiencing psychosis through uh, my work in public mental health over the last 10 years. And there's a lot of evidence as, you know, for a range of different th- psychological therapies for people with psychosis, including acceptance and commitment therapy, commitment um uh, cognitive behaviour therapy, lots of different therapies, uh, but it's still something that's underutilised in people with psychosis. So there's a very traditional model of treating people with psychosis. So they might have a diagnosis, for example, such as schizophrenia, as a purely biological disorder. Uh, there is certainly a place for medication and, and biological treatment. Uh, you know, many people find that helpful, but also there's certainly a place for psychological treatment. So I suppose I think it's it's becoming more and more common in, yeah. in the public mental health sector, but it's still not what I would like, which is that every single person who experiences psychosis is offered therapy as a part, standard and routine part of their care because we know it can be really helpful. It can improve quality of life. We have the evidence. People want it. You know, we I, I often see people that are have had, you know, their diagnosis for many, many years and they've never been offered therapy, especially for trauma. We know that Around 80% of people with psychosis have experienced trauma either recently or in their childhood. So there's a lot of, you know, reasons why, you know, for example, they might be hearing voices that relate to their their early childhood trauma. And we want to provide them psychological treatment for that so they can process that um, and, and, you know, do more things that they want to do with or without symptoms if they've got ongoing symptoms. So I suppose that's an area of passion for mine, of mine, just to try and advocate for that and, really make sure that over time I'm hoping that more and more people will see the value in in adding psychology and psychological therapy to the treatment of psychosis. Yeah, for sure. And what are some of those symptoms of psychosis if for people who aren't familiar? Yep. So the the really common ones that people might have heard of are, you know, are called hallucinations. So mm-hmm. Those, you know, people with lived experience of psychosis often call that hearing, you know, voice hearing, for example, but there's also, you know, feeling things that aren't there, smelling things that aren't there, but the hearing voices movement is quite, you know, quite prominent in psychosis. So working with the voices, there's also having uh, beliefs that, uh, that other people may not share the, the, you know, they might be more unique to you. So for example, a really common belief system is getting, experiencing paranoid thoughts. Um, so, or 
you know, there's, there's a range of different beliefs that people might have that are very unique to them and often relate to their life histories that, that they might have that they hold very strongly yeah. that other people don't. Uh, there's also some other symptoms, you know, people people with psychosis have, you know, broad range of challenges. They might they might experience anxiety and sadness related to to all of these these symptoms as well. Yeah. Um, so it, it's really something that requires a lot of holistic care. And I think there's it, it's happening more and more, as I said, but I'd like to see it even more. Uh, even more happening. Yeah, for sure. And is psychosis something that's more prevalent in adults or can young adults and even children experience this? Yeah, look, I don't know the prevalence rates in children. I think it's more common the, the onset in early adulthood. It can happen also in adolescence, um, but I don't know about children. I, yeah. I'm not, not my area of expertise. But in Australia, it's um, around two adults in 100 in any given year that will experience psychosis. And there's a range of different disorders that you know that are described as psychosis so there's um, schizoaffective disorder schizophrenia there's you know psychosis in relation to substance use there's um there's in addition to that as well yeah for sure and do you think that there needs to be more awareness surrounding psychosis and you know treatments for psychosis yeah i'd like the it's still quite a stigmatized mental illness and it's often negatively portrayed in Mm. the media unfortunately there's a very little understanding of psychosis and it's yeah, I think there should be there should be more information about it. I think it should be treated just the same as, you know, I think there's a lot more, a lot less stigma for disorders like depression and anxiety disorders, for example, now. There's yeah. still stigma for mental health, um, don't get me wrong, yeah. but I think that there, that it would be great if it could be, you know, talked about. People could just say, hey, I, you know, I've experienced psychosis in my life and this has been something that's happened to me. And, um, yeah, that, that we would hear more positive stories about it in yeah. in the media rather than, you know, more more negative ones, which are actually really hurtful to people who experience psychosis. You know, by and large, people are actually really experiencing a lot of distress and uh, the added impact of not being able to talk about it with other people, you know, makes it more, makes it harder. Yeah, for sure. And if there was an action that us as like a collective or a society could take forward with, you know, improving awareness around psychosis, what could that be? a very good question i think perhaps you know doing having more information about it that is non-stigmatized and Mm. you know perhaps even some you know tv shows about i have actually seen some really positive ones um in you know in australia actually i saw on uh, you can't ask that. They had a great episode on schizophrenia, um, just trying to destigmatize it and interview yeah. people with this experience. So having those sorts of positive places to see that people can actually thrive with these disorders, and yeah. it, you know, it, it can be, it can be anybody. These things can actually happen to anybody. So I think those sorts of approaches and people seeking that out and and being able to feel comfortable to talk about it more openly would really help. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. And also talking about psychosis, I feel like that's something I don't get to talk about every day in my life. And I'm sure not a lot of people get to hear about that in their life too. So thank you for being open and sharing all of that with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. And for those of us who want to find out more about you, where can we go? You can go to my website, which is drjulianichols.com and my LinkedIn as well. Beautiful. Well, we've also got Julia's details in the description below, but to everyone watching, we'll see you guys next time. You have been listening to Bouncing Back, the personal resilience science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people find it and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, pr.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Joanna. Thanks for tuning in.